Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show, back from the home studio in the great Palm City, Florida, and the mighty return, the mighty return of producer Joe, who was not off on Friday. He could hear us. He just was not there, and it was a big miss. Man, I'll tell you Because we need what. Producer Joe. People were clamoring for you, Producer Joe. <laughs> clamoring. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. But, uh, man, I'm. Yeah. It, it was weird. It was just weird Feels not weird, being able right? to jump in. Yeah. I know. The road shows. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's we have so much technology on the road, and it's just really tough to get everything in. By the way, on the road show, just a quick story for you. Um, I want to mm-hmm. sincerely thank, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I mean this, and I hope it comes across in my words. I was out in California for a, a, a trip I had already committed to, a mm-hmm. speech, and I brought my wife. That's why the road show on Friday. And I gave a speech in front of a group, and um, one of my doctors, I told you, that does my stem cells for my arthritis is in Beverly Hills. So my wife and mm-hmm. I went out to eat in Beverly Hills over there, which is a nice and beautiful area. I mean, uh, you know, again, I don't have an issue personally with liberals. I have an ideological problem with them. They just seem to hate us. But, you know, we keep a kind of a low profile over there. So we ate in this restaurant. I'm not going to say <laughs> where because, again, Joe, liberals will target the place and probably burn it to the ground if yeah. I say where because they're crazy. But we, and you know, nobody said anything. I know the look. People usually give us like the look if they recognize us. You know, uh-huh. you get a look, a double take, whatever. So nothing happened. Nobody checked us out. So we leave the restaurant, my wife and I, and the manager comes running down the street, chases us down, and he could not be more grateful to me and my wife for the work we were doing. He listened to the show and you know who you are. I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to say the restaurant even close to where it was. And it's sad that I have to say that, Joe, but I want to thank all the conservatives in California, including this restaurant manager who was the nicest guy. Could not send me an email afterwards and the server in there. You know your name, too. He emailed me later. It's a different guy. I'm not going to say either of your names because liberals are tyrants and they'll target your restaurant. (laughs) But you guys are great. And to all the conservatives out there in California and other liberal states, I lived there. I was in New York, in liberal states, that is, and Maryland. Joe's still in Maryland. Yeah. I just want you to know we are with you. We are in the fight with you. You matter. You matter deeply to me. I'm sorry you live in a state run by liberal tyrants and maniacs, but we are with you and you will always have a home here. And I was deeply, deeply touched and honored by this man's comments. It meant the world to me. And Paula, you too, because Paula and I walked away and we were like, we took a walk around Beverly Hills back to the hotel and we were really Mm -hmm. astonished. Thank you so much. You meant the world to us. All right, I've got a stacked show for you today. Right. I've got a, a, a another tactical nuke to drop on you about why Hillary Clinton and their Russian source I discovered on Friday is going to be so controversial. And it goes back to a show we did a very long time ago where we said, remember the Skolkovo Project. That, oh. I got something on this new abortion law too. Don't go anywhere. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Wax Rx. Wax Rx. We love Wax Rx. It's covering my face. There's the Dan Bongino Wax Rx face. This Whoa. is a great product. Look at what they give you. The best product in the world to clean out your ears. Joe, I'm not kidding. Armacost said to me yes. before the we were talking about how we can't hear anything. Joe has an earwax problem. I'm going to get him Wax man. Rx because you're not supposed to stick cotton swabs in your ear to clean out your ear. It's dangerous. Or keys, Listen, man. Keys are bad. Yes, it's not the sexiest product to talk about in the world. Here's a customer <laughs> review we got from Wax Rx. I. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. I used to have to go to the doctor twice a year to get rid of my stubborn, stubborn, uh, stubborn hard earwax. With the rising cost of healthcare and double deductible costs, $120 a year to treat my ears. Now I can do it myself with WaxRx and a significant savings to boot that doesn't require me to miss a half a day of work. 
Thank you, WaxRx. Right now, you can try the WaxRx system by typing in GoWaxRx.com. That's GoWaxRx.com. Use offer code DAN at checkout for free shipping. Don't wait. You have no idea what you might be missing because of inner earwax. Who knows? It might just change your life. Visit GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN. Check it out, folks. It's really easy to use. Sorry, that light's a little bright there. All right. You can see with the, the spray bottle and that little cup you put right under your ear. Super yep. easy. You're going to be shocked at what comes out of your ears. GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN. All right, let's get right to it. All right, DAN. Here we go. Nice. So first off, I want to address the comments of alleged Republican Congressman Justin Amash from Michigan. Uh, he is now, he put up this tweet this weekend. Again, he's alleged to be a Republican and Libertarian. I could not be more disappointed. He is now the first Republican to come out uh, outrageously, ridiculously, and embarrassingly for the impeachment of Donald Trump on fictitious fake obstruction charges. Uh, listen, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because you've heard about it all weekend. You're going to hear about it today. I want to say, number one, that I had... This is personally painful to me, and I mean it because I had a lot of respect for Justin Amash. I've been at events with him. Um, I've communicated with him. I know Justin Amash, and I found him on a lot of liberty issues. He claims to be a libertarian. Um, to do, He does the right thing and votes on a lot of good libertarian issues, which matter mm -hmm. to me. I am a libertarian conservative and always have been. I don't like labels, but if I had to align with one portion of the party, um, I believe with the, the libertarians are right on a lot of issues. How Justin Amash, who claims to be a libertarian, also simultaneously claims to support liberty by, let me get this straight, supporting the impeachment of an innocent man targeted by a weaponized police state, weaponized intelligence and law enforcement assets in complete violation of Donald Trump and his team's Fourth Amendment rights. And now you want to impeach him for objecting to an investigation after he was targeted by the police state? Are you kidding me? Even Mittens Romney, Mittens from Utah, Willard. another Democrat pretending to be a Republican, Mittens, even Mittens disagrees, oh, as you can see man. in this legal insurrection piece by uh, Fuzzy Slippers. We love Fuzzy Slippers. <laughs> Justin Amash calls for Trump impeachment. Mitt Romney counters the case saying, we're just not there. Now, Mittens will change his mind in two seconds because Mittens is another one. He's the new Jeff Flake, right, Mittens? Yeah. But even yeah. Mittens disagrees with Amash. Folks, this is an embarrassment. Amash should leave the Republican Party immediately. Listen, I have zero problem with my libertarian and conservative friends disagreeing with President Trump on issues. Joe and I disagree with President Trump on some yes, issues. Yes, we do. We don't have the same position on abortion. We've had notable disputes on tariffs, mm -hmm. on the death uh, yeah. penalty. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. The Republican Party are not automatons. Joe disagrees with me on issues. Mm -hmm. Paula disagrees with me on some issues, too. We have, we have talk about an old house. That is fine. The Republican Party are not a bunch of robots. However, you cannot claim to be a Republican, no less a libertarian, while you support the impeachment of a president who was spied on by the opposition party with no probable cause and a warrant based on debunked information from a Russian source. Hard pass. Erroneous. You need to leave the Republican Party. It totally, a play yeah. it again. Totally erroneous. erroneous. Thank you, Vince. Totally erroneous. You are not a Republican anymore. Right. Don't claim the label. Don't claim the brand. Nicely walk away on like that, that Homer Simpson gif everybody uses on Twitter where he retreats back into the bushes. Go away <laughs> yeah. now. 
You have disappointed me and others. I'm sure you don't care. Fine. You need to go. You're not welcome in this party. You did. There is no place in the Republican Party for people who support police state tyrants. It's time to go. And I believe me, it pains me to say that. I obviously was, was mistaken about this guy. And when I make a mistake, I admit it. I don't know what happened to him, but this is a joke. Justin Amash, please go align with Bernie Sanders and the police state tyrants and the socialists and the big government power hungry folks. If no place in the Republican Party supporting the police state. All right, moving on. I said I would get to this. Um, so Friday's show was complicated, and I understand. I got a lot of emails from people. Mm. Uh, by the way, the numbers were phenomenal, the downloads. I, I say that because I only got one piece of negative feedback, and I, mm. I don't mind that. I answered the guy back a couple times, um, but it was only one piece of negative feedback. I got a ton of positive feedback, uh-huh. but I got a, some other feedback from people say I got it. The second time, but I wish producer Joe would have been there because I think, but Joe said he got it too. But yeah. having said that, the gist of Friday's show, I'm not going to relitigate Friday's show. The gist of Friday's show was this. We now know Christopher Steele, who provided the information the FBI used to spy on Donald Trump. The information turned out to be false and discredited. We call it the dossier, the Steele information, whatever you want to call it, because mm-hmm. those two things may not be the same thing. But we know now that at least Steele said that that information, his quote, sources were these two Russians, Trubnikov and Surkov. There you go. As uh, my wife put up on the screen there. If you could see it on our YouTube.com, YouTube.com slash But you can see the note. Yes. Trubnikov, Surkov. Yes. Da, it sounds so da. dramatic. Russian names always <laughs> sound so dramatic when you say them sometimes. You're Trubnikov, Surkov. Uh, so we know off. that. What, what I was trying to get at on Friday, and I probably could sum up in a sentence, but I had to lay the story out for you is it's now clear that Trubnikov's connections to American and friendly spy assets, notably Dear Love and Halper, who were British Mm. and United States human intelligence assets, that there's absolutely no way John Brennan, head of the CIA, didn't know what Trubnikov was allegedly telling or was being used as a source for steel. In other words, the CIA knows this is coming from Russians. Yeah. Brennan in the CIA. So in order to reconstruct the story to make it appear it came from steel... The FBI just what, laundered the information back through steel, and therefore you had this parallel construction step, I, uh, scheme. I said this on the speech I was at this weekend. The government, the United States government, the FBI, and people there, especially Brennan, could not have the Americans know, and American people knowing that the CIA was spying on innocent American citizens. So they just reconstructed the story with the FBI and made it seem like it was all coming from steel. It's as simple as that. They couldn't walk into court and go, hey, uh, Brennan can't walk into court. He's not a law enforcement officer. But even if he could, he's not going to walk in there going, hey, um, our U.S. intelligence asset, Halper, and our United Kingdom friend, Richard Dearlove, who ran their spy agency. Yeah, they've been dealing with this Russian Trubnikov they teach with at Cambridge. Oh, and by the way, he's also a source for steel. What? They can't say that or else they're going to know that they're dealing with Russian intel to spy on Americans. So they go, the FBI reconstructs the story through steel. Although the information's from the same Russian, making it appear like it's legitimately from a source. Now, that is important. That's the simplest way I can explain it. They constructed the same story twice. It sprouted from the ground and the seed were Russians. And it sprouted into multiple different paths. Now, why is that important? Because one of the Russian sources... Surkov, as you see in the note, 
in, in the notes, remember, these are Kathleen Cavalek's notes from the State Department. She's talking to Steele and taking notes simultaneously. Steele obviously tells her his sources, as we can see in the handwritten notes, were Trebnikov and Surkov. It says, sources. I'm not making this up. This is her interview with Steele. One of these sources, Surkov, is a very suspicious cat. Let's move this story along a little bit. First, we have this from, from Friday, the Newsweek piece covering Surkov, where it this is a February piece of Newsweek titled, Vladimir Putin's advisor tells Americans, Russia interferes in your brains. We change your conscience. They're talking about Surkov. Read, read this portion of the piece, because what I get to next is going to blow your mind about who this guy Surkov was. This is the source. For all of these people's information, negative information on Trump. From the Newsweek piece, I'm just going to read the opening sentence. This is Surkoff writing this. Christopher Steele's source. The illusion of choice is the most important illusion. The main trick of Western democracy. The rejection of this illusion in favor of the reality that everything is predestined will allow society to reflect first on our vision of democratic development. The illusion of choice He's basically saying we Russians like me, Surkov, who was Vladimir Putin's right hand guy. Yeah. They call him the gray cardinal because of his influence on ideological influence on Putin. This guy could not have been more deeply connected to Putin was a source for the guy Hillary's team hired to gin up information on Trump. Folks, this is unbelievable. Again, I cannot understand for the life of me how the media has managed to, managed to miss this story. Putin's right-hand guy, source for anti-Trump dossier. Wow. Did they miss the note? Source. <laughs> That's right I mean, there. It's right there. It's right Joe's there. the audience on Budsman, but you know, you know, right you don't there. have to be any dope can figure it out. Christopher Steele source, Surkov. Surkov, who writes in, in, in this Newsweek piece he's covered, he's covered in, that it's an illusion choice in Western democracy. In other words, we're influencing your brains, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, moving on. Listen to Surkov's connections. These are astonishing. Do you remember the Russian technology project Skolkovo? I said this a while ago on shows. Remember Skolkovo. I mm -hmm. had the good tip on this, and now it's all coming together why I got that tip. Skolkovo was a Russian Silicon Valley-type project. It was a technology project they instituted over in Russia where the idea was to bring American technology over. No problem with that on its face. I'll get to this in a little while, but what happened with Russian with Skolkovo was... It was alleged by our own intel people that Skolkovo became not a technology project, but a project to steal our military technology. Yeah. Now, who was in charge of Skolkovo? Put up this piece from Slate. This is killer. Who was running the Skolkovo project? Here's a piece from Slate. Not a, this is from 2013, by the way. This is not a right-leaning outlet, Slate. Not just oil and oligarchs. Skolkovo is Russia's bid to jumpstart its tech industry. Can it overcome the corruption charges and political conflicts swirling around it? From the inside of the piece, keep in mind, who is running the Skolkovo project? Oh, Deputy Prime Minister Vladislav Surkov. Oh! Surkov? You mean the same guy was a source for Hillary's guy, Christopher Steele? Oh. Skolkovo's unofficial curator and the former gray cardinal behind the Kremlin's ideological strategy resigned abruptly after publicly criticizing the investigation into the Skolkovo project. He's the unofficial curator? 
of the Skulkovo project. So just to be clear, I'm going to keep this uh. simple, and Ombudsman Joe's on his game here. Oh, yeah. Vladislav Surkov is a source for the negative information, the fake dossier stuff, generated by Christopher Steele being paid by Team Hillary. His source, Steele's source, is Surkov, who is also the unofficial curator of a Russian technology project being used to steal sensitive military technology. Okay, let's move this story along even more. John Solomon, Peace in the Hill. Who else was involved in Skolkovo and who supported Skolkovo? John Solomon uh, from February of 2019. The case for Russia collusion against the Democrats is the piece. <laughs> From the inside of the John Solomon piece. Oh, is this going to scramble your eggs? As Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton worked with Russian leaders, including Foreign Minister Lavrov and then President Medvedev, to create U.S. technology partnerships with Moscow's version of Silicon Valley, a sprawling high-tech campus known as er, 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 Skolkovo. It goes on. Clinton's handprint was everywhere on the 2010 project, the tip of the diplomatic spear to reboot U.S.-Russia relations after years of hostility prompted by Putin's military action against the former Soviet Republic and now U.S. ally Georgia. Oh, this gets good. Does this ever get sweet? A donor to the Clinton Foundation, billions of dollars. Russian oligarch Victor Vexelberg, who, by the way, Clint, the Clinton team denied knowing later, led the Russian side of the Skolkovo effort. And several American donors to the Clinton Foundation got involved in Skolkovo. Wow. Clinton State Department facilitated U.S. companies working with the Skolkovo Russia project. And she personally invited Medvedev to visit Silicon Valley. What? The Hades? So the source for Steele's dossier and Steele's information, one of the sources, Surkov, Vladislav Surkov, is the unofficial curator, is deeply involved in the Skolkovo project. Hillary Clinton is promoting in her own State Department. The Skolkovo project is also being run by a donor to the Clinton Foundation, Vexelberg, who, by the way, the Clintons deny knowing personally later on through their staff. The Skolkovo project, the State Department, while Clinton's running, is approving the Skolkovo project and U.S. technology going over there. But what was really going on with the Skolkovo project? That the guy who's the curator for then becomes a source to give information to a guy paid by Hillary, Christopher Steele, used to spy on Donald Trump. What was really going on with Skolkovo and Surkov's project at Skolkovo. Let's go to this Daily Caller piece I've covered in the past. But remember Skolkovo. Oh, the episode 669. Thank you, Paula. Paula's texting me. That's episode 669 where we, that's oh, oh, nearly uh, over 300 episodes ago where we said, remember Skolkovo. From the Daily Caller, our friend Diana West, who's great. This is from 2017. Hillary's hypersonic missile gap. There are some bombshells in this piece about what Skolkovo really was. Let's go to uh, the first snippet from Diana West piece, which is a good one. Talking about uh, Vexelberg. She says, 
She's talking about this Russian oligarch who had lined up investors for the project, Skokovo. His name was Victor Vexelberg of Renova, a Clinton Foundation donor, by the way. And the project under his purview was the Skolkovo Innovation Center, which is being built near Moscow. The following month, Bill Clinton, after the Skolkovo initiative starts, received $500,000 for a speech in Moscow from a Russian bank, Renaissance Capital, with ties to the Kremlin. A Clinton Foundation donor, a Skolkovo executive, and which talked up Uranium One, These are we're talking about Renaissance Capital here, whose sale the Clinton State Department would approve and whose executives together contributed $145 million to the Clinton Foundation. Wow! Same bank paying Clinton $500,000 for a speech. They pay him right after this Skolkovo thing starts. More from the Diana West piece about what Skolkovo really was. Here's plain language from the U.S. Army. Their intelligence branch. In the Diana West piece, this is not some right-wing analysis here. Not that that would be wrong, but this is the U.S. Army. Skolkovo is an ambitious enterprise aiming to promote technology transfer generally by inbound direct investment and occasionally through selected acquisitions. Listen here. As such, Skolkovo is arguably an overt alternative to clandestine industrial espionage with the additional distinction that can achieve such a, it can achieve such a transfer on a much larger scale and more efficiently. Ladies and gentlemen, professional intelligence people in our military were sincerely, genuinely worried that the hypersonic missile technology the Russians have developed, some of the technology was stolen using Skolkovo. The Skolkovo Technology Project, because Russians couldn't develop it on their own. So they say, hey, let's start a Silicon Valley here. Oh, and let's let American companies bring their technology here, which we'll steal and use to develop weapons to kill Americans. Yes. So let's just sum up what we just talked about for the liberals who have a tough time with this kind of stuff. You know, facts and things. I know it's difficult for you. A source, according to Christopher Steele himself, is this guy, Surkov. He's a Russian. He's a disinformation specialist. Read his own words for the Russians. He feeds you negative intel in the United States to sow discord. Steele lapped it up. Apparently so did the FBI, who used Steele's information despite saying he was getting some of it from Surkov. Surkov is also involved with a technology project in Russia to steal our sensitive technology that is supported openly by Hillary and Bill Clinton, who incentivize companies to go over and join this project, have their technology stolen, while those same companies are donating to the Clinton Foundation. Hat tip to a listener, by the way, you know who you are, who provided some of the input on this. Folks. This show is, check out the YouTube channel if you want to see the cuts, youtube.com slash Bongino. But please tell me this makes sense. You don't need to see the actual snippets. I read them for you. But please tell me this makes sense. Yeah. Hillary supports a technology project in Russia, Mm -hmm. colludes, tells companies, hey, go to Russia, give them your technology. Those same companies are donated to the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton State Department approves those companies going over there. And the guy who's unofficially running the project, the two of them, Vexelberg and Surkov, mm-hmm. are both, one's working with Christopher Steele later on to generate negative information on Trump, maybe to make sure Trump doesn't get elected. 
maybe to sow Russian disinformation in the United States, maybe to make sure Trump doesn't get elected so they don't look at any of this. And the other guy running it, Vexelberg, is a donor to the Clinton Foundation who the Clintons run from after the election. I didn't say remember Skolkovo for nothing. That Skolkovo project is going to come back again and again and again. Hillary Clinton's involvement in Russians stealing our technology is one of the real Russian collusion scandals. And her now involvement with Surkov through steel is even more suspicious given what I just told you. Yeah, I think Astonishingly we're good Astonishingly stupid. Yeah. We're good. All right, we're thank good. You. We got we it all. There we go. Having yeah. producer Joe back helps. All right, I got to move on. I got a lot to cover. Always on a Monday, it's always packed. Hey, today's show also brought to you by buddies at Dynatrap. Listen, it's summer, and the only thing more annoying than Jim Comey's dopey tweets in the woods. Ah, <laughs> trees. The only thing more annoying are flies, mosquitoes, and insects. Listen, I love Florida. It's the greatest state in the country. I do. I love it. I never move ever out of Florida. It's great. But we do have a lot of flies and insects down here, and therefore, I use Dynatrap. Here's what it looks like. Here's how it comes. I have about four or five of these around the house. That's the indoor fly light. You plug it into any indoor outlet. You'll see in the, you see that it has a little UV bulb and it has a sticky trap. You'll wake up in the morning and you'll find any insect in your house that thought they were going to get away will be on that trap and will be dead as a doornail. Who knows where those flies were last? You want them flying around your house? You know what flies land on. It ain't pretty. Get them out of your house. This is the indoor unit, by the way. I have uh, two of them indoors. I have one of them. There's an outdoor unit as well, which there's a trap at the bottom. It has a UV light and it sucks them down in the fan, these mosquitoes. And when you empty the trap, I go out there on Friday before date night on Saturday with my wife because we don't want to get eaten alive. The thing is like this full of, of bugs. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing ever. Go to Dynatrap, check them out. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Dynatrap. They're the leading manufacturer of outdoor mosquito and insect traps. They've come up with this solution for indoor pests as well. Forget those disgusting fly strips. The Dynatrap fly light looks like a subtle nightlight that plugs into any indoor outlet. Trust me, I've been using it for, it says a couple days. I haven't been using it for a couple days. I've been using it for two years. And the thing is great. I love Dynatrap. I give them, they sometimes they send me some extra ones and I give them away to my neighbors to put in their garage and stuff. They love them too. Dynatrap is great. Get yours at Dynatrap.com. That's D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P.com. Enter promo code Bongino and receive 15% off any of their products. Dynatrap, the safe, silent, and simple solution to rid yourself of those household insect uh, pests we don't want around. Check it out. This thing really works. You will not see an insect anywhere near your home uh, for a very long time after plugging it in there. Fantastic. Dynatrap.com, promo code Bongino for 15% off. Okay. Uh, moving on. I wanted to cover, because uh, last week was so busy on the Spygate stuff, we missed out on some of the other news. Woo. We had a monumental achievement in the pro-life movement last week with Alabama and uh, now it looks like Missouri and other states considering these heartbeat bills um, and which would restrict abortions uh, after a certain period. Now, the Democrats have, have gone to the airwaves and their Twitter accounts to ridiculously attack this abortion bill. And uh, don't worry, I'm going to debunk one of their silliest talking points. Now, here is, um, uh, is she a model? Gigi Hadid. She's a model, yeah. right, Paul? I think um, Gigi Hadid at Gigi Hadid. She's a verified account. Um, I've seen her. I think her mom was on like the Beverly Housewives of, of the Hills or something like that. But she tweeted out this tweet. You, uh, it says, 
Hashtag abortion is a woman's right. Keep in mind, not the woman in the room or in the womb. That's it's not her right. Um, and she says repeatedly in her tweet, men shouldn't be making laws about women's body. And it goes on. Uh, I don't know. What would you say? 30 times there. Yeah. It's a screenshot. So so the model G G G G G G Hadid. I, I don't even know what it is. G G guy guy. Uh, Hadid. Guy guy. Yeah. She. She's easy. Okay, thanks, Paula. She says women shouldn't be making laws about men's bodies. Um, okay. Uh, now, Joe, as the audience on Budsman, um, this one will be the easiest one you will. Uh, you will have never had a topic easier to understand than this one. So let's mm. just be clear what we're saying right here. So we're liberals. Mm. Uh, we're going to pretend to be liberals for a minute. So, so Gigi put out a tweet saying men shouldn't make laws about women's body. Um, if you wouldn't mind, please put up. These, wait, wait. What is that on the screen right now? Joe, Caveman Joe is back. He's back because it's difficult to understand this with an IQ over 65. This is the governor of Alabama signing the Alabama restriction on abortion. Joe, I know we're in this era of identity politics and everything, but I'm reasonably confident we are looking at a woman. Am I correct, Caveman Joe? Yeah. Thank you. Caveman Joe is back. Governor K. Ivey, who signed the law, is a woman. Men should not be making laws. She signed no, making this even worse. This gets better. Get ready. Wait, we're not even done. Let's put up the screen. Here's another screenshot of Governor K. Ivey on the left of our screen. And on the right is Terry Collins, who is from the State House in Alabama, who actually initiated the law, started the law, and sponsored the law. Joe, Caveman Joe, one uh -huh. grunt for yes, two grunts for no. Are we looking at two women on the screen right now? One grunt for yes will be fine. Uh. Thank you. Thank you. We are looking at two women. So men should not be making <laughs> laws about women's bodies. Uh, uh, did you miss that? <laughs> now, now here's... Here's where it gets good, oh. because this just goes to show you, and hat tip to Beckett Adams at the Washington Examiner, um, not, doesn't like me very much, but that's all right. <laughs> that's okay. I like, I like good content. Beckett Adams has a piece up at the Washington Examiner who pointed out something odd. It's not just that women played a key part in the signing of this legislation, who the governor and the woman who proposed it. But ironically, we're going to take a look here in a second, and I have this article up at the show notes today. I strongly encourage you to read it from Beckett Adams. It's good in the Washington Examiner. Here is a picture. Caveman Joe, get ready. Again, this one grunt for yes, two grunts for no. I'm going to show you a picture of the 1972 Supreme Court composition. Roe v. Wade was, was, uh, was decided in 73, but it's the same Supreme Court. This is an article from the Daily News with a picture of the Supreme Court decision where they made abortion a, I'm using air quotes here because it's not, a, it's nowhere in the Constitution, where they made it a right. So keep in mind, the Democrats are saying men should not decide on abortion. Here are the people who made abortion, quote, legal. Okay, man, Joe, Look at the picture of the Supreme Court. Remember, one grunt for yes, two grunts for no. So be careful here. Are there any women in this picture of the Supreme Court that made abortion, air quotes here, a right? Are there any women in that picture? 
Thank you. Two grunts for no. Thank you, Kate Manjo, for your appearance on the show today. Very nice. Well done, Joe. Very funny. Thank you. He's back. Ladies and gentlemen, if men shouldn't be making laws about women's bodies, then Roe v. Wade should be thrown out. I mean, I'm not crazy, right? Because an actual woman signed the abortion restriction. It was proposed by a woman. There were men involved, no question about it, especially on the Senate side in Alabama. Unlike liberals, I don't lie. I don't need to. Of course there were men involved. And almost exclusively men on the Senate side. But a woman sponsored the bill. A woman signed the bill. And yet all men, no women at all, decided that abortion was, air quotes, a right based on some privacy penumbra they invented, the Supreme Court. Folks, it's really not hard to debunk liberal nonsense. It's not. And listen, I get a guy, he's, he, he supports abortion. He emails me. It's fine. I, listen, you're welcome. You don't have to, it's a free show, folks. I say all the time. There's no obligation to listen. I, I deeply respect my listeners. I give out my email for a reason. I want to hear your feedback. But I just find, argue it on the merits. I believe life begins at conception. And you're terminating a life. That makes my decisions on this very simple. You disagree, that's fine. But don't lie about it. Men shouldn't be writing laws about women's body, as Gigi Hadid says. Mm. Men invented the right. All men. Oh, no, no, I don't mean those men. I just mean the Alabama men shouldn't be. You mean the Alabama woman that signed a bill? No, no, not her either. You have no point. Your principle's garbage. It's nonsense because it's not a principle at all. Like Amash's principle that he's a libertarian who now conveniently supports the police state? Red flag on the field, folks. Go under the hood for review here. I'm not sure about that one. All right. I got a lot more to get to. Okay. Uh, story number four for the day. A lot happened over the weekend. So last night, you know, I'm hesitant to even bring this up because if you're a listener to this show regularly, this is almost like... Paula said last night, you should just cut some of your old show and reinsert it here. <laughs> Joe, last night, get ready for the breaking news. We found okay. out last night. Yeah. We found out that the UK yeah. was spying on the Trump team. Okay. Now, again, <laughs> let me <laughs> notice this because Joe's like, um, we've <laughs> only been talking about this yeah. since episode 628. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I bring it up. It's so anticlimactic and here's the by the way here's the piece uh, i'll get to the, a, a snippet from it in a second but the telegraph last night ben riley smith uh puts out this supposedly explosive bombshell that Theresa may's spy chiefs were briefed on the explosive steel dossier before donald trump it, folks this is not the fact that it's not an interesting story oh, is interesting mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah, we have reported to you for eons that the United Kingdom was deeply involved in a, I believe, a rogue intelligence operation. Remember, remember Devin Nunes, he says this all the time, that there was no official intelligence used to start this investigation. I believe, as I said to George Papadopoulos this weekend, my wife and I had dinner with him out in Beverly Hills. Again, I'm not going to oh, say right. where because the place might get firebombed by tyrannical <laughs> liberals. But you ain't in that place. Burn it to the ground. It's contaminated. You know, the tolerant ones, right? But yeah, I met with George. We, we, me and uh, Paula went out with Simone and him. We had a long conversation. I'm going to get to some of that too. Some of you may be thinking, gosh, why aren't you talking about that? I got that. I'm, I just, I got a lot of news. We, had, we missed a lot last week because it was so busy on Spygate revelations, right? Ladies and gentlemen, this is nothing new. 
The United Kingdom, Steele, his connections, dear love and others, were unquestionably engaged in a rogue intelligence operation. When I say rogue, I want to be clear what I mean. I mean, I believe it was an unofficial operation. The Central Intelligence Agency and our intelligence partners have documented procedures for spying on people, issuing CI numbers, the paying of money. Folks, listen, I worked in the federal government. I worked with the CIA a lot on overseas trips. Uh They're very good at what they do. But it is still a government bureaucracy, Joe. There's paperwork. There's informant numbers that are issued that are like license plates for informants. So there are rules about what the CIA can do. And it's not like the movies. Again, there's no Jason Bourne in this, okay? That's not how this works. It's a bureaucracy like anything else. The question is, if the United Kingdom was assisting the United States with intelligence on the Trump team, why is there no official intelligence? Or in other words, a paper trail. Because it wasn't official. It was a black ops type rogue operation. I believe Brennan was running with intelligence partners to keep everything out of the official track so nobody would see what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And the conduit for that was Christopher Steele, who was not an official intelligence operator anymore. He was a former British intelligence guy. So therefore, he had no paperwork requirements. This is no doubt. So this story last night, here's a little piece from it, by the way, just so you know what they're talking about. Theresa May's spy chiefs were secretly briefed on explosive dossier about Donald Trump's ties to Russia before the U.S. president was made aware of its existence. The Telegraph can reveal. Again, shocking, right? And I say that with, uh, with in jest. The heads of MI5 and MI6, one of Miss May's most trusted security advisors, were told about former British intelligence officer Christopher Steele's memos on the Trump campaign in the weeks after his November 2016 election victory. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not kidding when I tell you that this thing was promoted by them like the biggest bombshell ever. It is old news. What you say, Dan, why are you bringing it up? Because, folks, again, this case is so devastating, the spying operation on Trump, that if I were to come into this cold, you had no background or knowledge about Spygate at all. And I opened this show today saying, ladies and gentlemen, the United Kingdom is now acknowledging that the heads of their spying operations, MI5 and MI6, the domestic and foreign intelligence operators, were briefing the UK prime minister about intelligence gathered on Donald Trump by someone paid by Hillary before they told Donald Trump, the incoming president of the United States, you'd be like, what? This You wouldn't believe it. You'd be like, get right. this guy off the air. He's like Bill Nye, the fake science guy. He's crazy. Get him off the air. He's the conspiracy theorist. We already knew this. This, is, this story is interesting because it's uninteresting. They're finally admitting. Now, the reason I really bring this story up is there's something going on here you need to know. All right. Why is this coming out now? Why is the UK finally admitting their role in a rogue intelligence operation to gather negative information on Trump and make sure it got out there to the widest audience and, in the case of the United States, used to spy on Trump and his team? Do tell. Folks... Trump's getting ready to declassify this stuff. You may say, ah, we've heard that before. No, no, it's, I'm, I'm, I assure you it's going to happen. I'm, I don't like to get into the predictions game anymore, but I can tell you based on a reasonably good amount of intel, he is going to declassify this stuff shortly. And when it's declassified, I'd like to say it's going to shock your soul, but your soul's already been shocked. <laughs> but the level of involvement 
by people with deep connections to United Kingdom intelligence officials is going to become transparent. The UK is now trying to get out in front of the story by feeding information to friendlies at the Telegraph, like Ben Riley Smith. And they're, mark my words, we've called it the whole time, Joe, the narrative shifts. Mm. Treason, collusion, obstruction. Trump's a bad guy. Orange man bad. We've called it. We, we've. I've told you every time how the narrative is going to shift. The narrative the UK is going to try to get out there now. Mark my words, is that this was so serious when Steele told us that we had a brief MI5 and MI6. In other words, we thought this was real. Like we weren't spying. We were taken too by this information because we thought it was so legitimate and so real. You get what I'm saying, Joe? Yes. Yeah. They're going to start filtering out there, just like McCabe and Comey and Baker and Brennan and Clapper and all these other fools. They're going to start to filter stories to the media about how grave this threat was. And they were just acting in the best interests of national security, not politics. Because why were they really spying on Donald Trump? For political reasons. It's obvious. Mm -hmm. They thought Hillary Clinton would be elected. Rogue operators and over there uh, used their intelligence channels to do what Americans couldn't. The UK has looser surveillance laws. They spied on the Trump team because the United States couldn't. It's as simple as that. And when they got the information, they had to reconstruct it on the law enforcement side. So they just gave it to Christopher Steele, a trusted FBI source, who walked into court and said, hey, I got this stuff and it's really good. <laughs> It's as simple as that. The UK is now going to backtrack and say, we thought this was really serious. We were acting out of national security. Remember my first book, Spygate, where we talk about this. We had a whole chapter on the United Kingdom's real motivations. We have their own quotes in there for thinking, you know, Donald Trump was a political threat to them. It's all there. All right, moving on. Wait, before we get to the next story, I got like Maria Bartiromo's show, another couple of Woo! awesome Patio. hits from her weekend yeah. show. Yeah, she always does a great job. All right, one of my favorite reads, Duke Cannon. Duke, like the Duke of Earl. DukeCannon.com. Why do I love Duke Cannon? Listen, how can you not love a product? Here's their bar soap. It's called the Big Ass Brick of Soap. Now, how can you not love a product that on the side says... Not from clowns, not made in France, three times bigger than bar soaps, and triple milled for superior quality. Nothing smells better than Duke Cannon. You think they only got soap? You'd be wrong. Here's their cologne. Solid cologne. You want to look at it? Check it out. Check that out. It's got a little divot in it missing. You see the divot? You oh, put yeah. your finger in the solid cologne. You rub it on right there. You will smell like men smell. And that is great. This has come in very handy on date night. Many times. I bet. Date night has been extraordinary on Saturday night, thanks to Duke Cannon. You will smell like the Duke of Earl. And Duke Cannon smells terrific. If you ain't buying this stuff, you're not smelling like a man right now. <laughs> Ask yourself. Yeah. Can, I, I like to do my own reads. Yeah. Duke, I like to do my own because I love this stuff. It's good. Buy Duke Cannon. Joe, can a bar of soap be patriotic? Sure. It's a lot to ask. 
It's just a bar of soap. After all, it doesn't get out a little flag and wave it around. But consider this. Duke well. Cannon, their superior quality grooming goods <laughs> for hardworking men are tested by soldiers, not boy bands. Duke right. Cannon partners with active duty right. military to develop new ideas and review their products. Anything doesn't meet the high standards of soldiers. It doesn't happen. Hey, Duke Cannon is on a serious note is committed to giving back to the men and women serving our country. That's why a portion of their proceeds directly supports veteran causes. Listen, we love Duke Cannon. They sell soap. They sell pomade for your hair. They sell beard wash. You want your beard to smell nice? You want it clean? You want your goatee to smell nice like a man? Duke Cannon. Shaving cream, superior grade. Shave like a man. Solid cologne. Date night. Bring it. When you're using Duke Cannon stuff, you will smell like a man and you may start humming the national anthem because they love this country. Visit DukeCannon.com right now and get 15% off your first order with promo code Bongino. Free shipping on orders over $35. That's Duke, C-A-N-N-O-N.com. 15% off your first order using promo code Bongino. Love Duke Cannon. Yeah. Date night, Saturday, the Duke. <laughs> oh gosh, this is great. All right, moving on. So uh, Maria Bartiromo has a great show, Sunday Morning Futures, on on Sunday. It's a, I, I can't recommend it enough. I have before. She had Trey Gowdy on this weekend. And uh, Trey Gowdy, had, I have two clips from this. There were two interesting things he brought up. Remember, Gowdy has seen a lot of the classified documents when he was in Congress. He has since left. He used to be the chairman of a committee, so he had right. access. Mm -hmm. And Gowdy has been just a cornucopia of incredible video and sound lately. Here's cut one. I want you to pay special attention here because it talks specifically about some information about George Papadopoulos. And what he's getting into here is when you go to the FISA court to spy on someone, you darn well better tell that FISA court if you have information that that person, Joe, is innocent. Listen to this cut. I'll explain more on the other side of it. Wasn't this presented to the court earlier? Yeah, you know, Johnny Ratcliffe um, is rightfully exercised over the obligations that the government has to tell the whole truth to a court when you are seeking permission to spy or do surveillance on an American. And part of that includes the responsibility of providing exculpatory information or information that tends to show the person did not do something wrong. If you have exculpatory information and you don't share it with the court, uh, that ain't good. Um, I've seen it. Johnny's seen it. I'd love for your viewers to see it. All right. So that's the transcripts of FBI agents and George Papadopoulos. The transcripts? What do you mean transcripts, Maria? Keep in mind, Maria knows this case better than anybody. Maria asks great questions, great follow-up questions, and she always leaves you with the tidbit you need to take away from her show. There are transcripts of George Papadopoulos' conversations? Wow, isn't that fascinating? How did that happen? I thought Alexander Downer, the guy George meets in a London bar in May, I thought Downer was just an Australian diplomat in London who just wanted to meet with George, and I thought it was George who mentioned something about Russians, and everybody panicked. Joe, you, please tell me you understand where we're going. Yeah, I spoke we're, we're to George to this weekend, by the yes. way. Okay. For a very long time. Yeah. George is convinced Downer was recording him. Convinced. That's from okay. George's mouth. He doesn't have any problem with me sharing this with you. He said it on my own show when, I, when he interviewed him. Yeah, I remember. The story we've been told by the FBI, Joe, 
their story, story one, the false story, Mm -hmm. is that this Australian diplomat who's in London meets with Papadopoulos. It's not any kind of a setup. And at that meeting, Papadopoulos says, just days after hearing from Mifsud, the Maltese professor, about this alleged Russian dirt, that Papadopoulos, in some drunken stupor, tells Downer, the Russians have emails Mm -hmm. and they're going to try to help Trump. That was the official story we were told. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, neither Downer nor Papadopoulos say that story's true. Downer's already admitted this topic never came up. Papadopoulos says, I never talked about emails with Downer at all. But if Downer's just some innocent Australian diplomat who found this information and 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 uh and was uh you know passing it on out of the kindness of his heart to the FBI months later, I'm worried this guy Papadopoulos told me about the Russians trying to impact the election then why was he recording Papadopoulos? Is there a recording of that? What does that recording say? Apparently, former Congressman Gowdy's seen some of it, and he seems to think that that information indicates the opposite of what the FBI is saying. In other words, that some of the comments George made had nothing to do with the Russians at all. Wow. Isn't that interesting? There are tapes out there? Of exculpatory evidence, meaning evidence Papadopoulos is innocent of anything, of innocence of all these charges, and you didn't tell the FISA court? Pretty fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Let me ask you another question about Downer, by the way. Because I keep telling you this was a rogue intelligence operation. In other words, it wasn't formalized through the CIA bureaucracy. Okay. And I believe that. Mm -hmm. I believe they tried to avoid a paper trail because they knew they were spying on Donald Trump's team in a politically motivated spying operation. It's as simple as that. So they kept it off the books. That's why all the crap was at the top. Yeah, right. Got it. Yes. All right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And they kept it at the, what Joe's saying is right. They kept it at the top levels of the CIA and the FBI to avoid scrutiny by rank and file agents and operators who would have said, what the hell is this? That's what that's about. Yeah. But number one, why was Downer recording Papadopoulos? At all, if Downer was just there meeting him for some drinks. Secondly, why is it that Downer, the guy who, out of the kindness of his heart, passes this information on to the FBI, why did Downer run immediately to the DCM, the second highest U.S. official in London, Elizabeth Dibble, the deputy uh, chief of mission under the ambassador? The ambassador wasn't there at the time. Why did Downer do that? This is where me and George have a little bit of a divergent opinion on this. Downer, he seems to think Downer was working directly with the FBI early, or or he kind of feels that way. I hope I'm George. You can text me if I'm summarizing your comments wrong. I disagree. If Downer was working with the FBI, was an FBI source. There's absolutely no reason for him to run to the U.S. Embassy and talk to the DCM. Right, Joe? Just go to the FBI. You're working with them. Yeah, that's what I would think. Hey, look, he showed... I mean, if I'm trying to nail Joe and I got a recording device on and I'm working with the FBI to nail Joe for a bank robbery and Joe says I robbed a bank, I don't run to the U.S. mission. I go just give it to the FBI. Folks, I've worked cases before. It doesn't make any sense. Same, what was Downer doing then? I think Downer was part of this rogue intelligence operation and somebody on the intel side that wanted to keep it off the book said, you know, I'll bet If you give this information to someone at the U.S. Embassy at the highest levels, like the DCM, the number two, 
I'll bet this will somehow weave its way all the way back to the FBI and make it look like this wasn't the intel operation we're running, but it was just an innocent guy like Downer providing a tip. I'll bet that happens if you give it to the State Department under the Obama administration. Conveniently, Christopher Steele's interviewing with the State Department just months later in October, Kathleen Kavalek, where she took those notes. Isn't that really special how that works out? Hmm. Again, fortifying my theory that the FBI opened a case on Steele's information from Russians, not understanding that that same information was being fed to U.S. intelligence assets who were running a rogue operation who had to clean it. They could not tell anyone they were running an operation. They had to the FBI formally open a case. So they tell Steele, hey, uh, go work as a source for the FBI. Well, yeah, I'm just going to tell them the same stuff I told you. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Just hide where it came from. We'll make it out like you, the verified source who's worked with them before. Like, this is your stuff. Cut number two. Here's Gowdy talking about how the dossier, the Steele information, was used multiple times. And something at the end, which is how we're going to end the show today, this is going to blow your mind. It's something he says at the end about when it was used the fifth time that's causing a whole lot of controversy lately. Pay, pay close attention to what he says about the fifth time the dossier was used. Take me back to an email that Jim Comey wrote to his upper echelon staff. This is also considered classified, but you've seen it. Uh, what can you tell us about it? Well, take a half step back. I mean, people use the word dossier and it has such an official sound to it. I mean, let, let's just call it for what it is. It's a series of rank hearsay, hearsay compilations put together by an FBI source who was later defrocked, paid for by the Democrat National Committee. And oh, by the way, Christopher Steele hated Donald Trump, too. So we can call it a dossier. It sounds official. It's really something the National Enquirer would blush if they printed. So we know that it was used four times by the United States government. What we're trying to figure out is whether or not it was used a fifth time in the intelligence assessment. And you got Brennan, Clapper and Comey, all three who know full well whether or not it was used in the intelligence assessment, but they're giving you different they're giving you different versions. Right. So uh, there is information that exists in December of 2016. And I hope anyone who has access to it, Senator Burr, Devin, wh whoever is open minded, go look at that. And, and I think it will help you understand whether or not that dossier, yeah. that unverified hearsay was used a f for five times or just four times by the United States government. It's pretty bad if it was just four times. Yeah. It's really bad if it was five. Jim Comey calls it the crown material all right joe we're gonna need can you go out and buy a gaudi translator in addition to the new yeah, translator? yeah I'm sure gonna, I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna need i have to translate for you what he's saying yeah, yeah what does he mean yeah. the dossier was used four times he means the fisa in october to spy on the trump team and carter page october 2016 and the three renewals of the fisa that lasted into the trump presidency mm -hmm. into the summer of 2017 those are one fisa three renewals the dossier, and what he or he smartly says, let's not even worry about the word dossier. Let's just call it the hearsay and the steel information. It's important because it's not just the written dossier. It's what Steele said to people, uh, maybe people in the CIA and other places. It's, he may not have given him a physical dossier. 
Don't get confused. Because then it allows John Brennan to go, well, I didn't see the dossier till December. Did you talk to Steele? Oh, that's a different story. Right. So Gowdy says, we know it was used four times to spy on the Trump team. Steele's information. Don't get caught up in the dossier thing. Steele's information is hearsay was used, which we now know one of his sources, according to Steele himself, was Russian. Two of his sources were Russian. Putin's right-hand guys. Now, why is this fifth time important? What is he talking about? The fifth use of the dossier, what he's referring to is the intelligence community assessment issued after Trump wins the presidency. It's issued in December. Trump wins the election in November. Mm -hmm. In December, the hacks at the top of the intelligence community, not the rank and file guys, they were out of this. This was run by the cabal at the top, as Joe said before. They issue a report called the ICA, the Intelligence Community Assessor. Remember that 17 intelligence agencies agreed the Russians hacked the election to help Donald Trump. They did? Because no hard evidence has emerged yet of this exact mechanics of this hack, by the way, of the election. Especially of the DNC. And how do we know they tried to help Trump? Well... That's where this email chain between Comey and Brennan comes in. Comey and Brennan have turned on each other just like we predicted. Brennan's saying, no, no, Jim Comey wanted me to say, wanted me to put the dossier in the intelligence community assessment. And Brennan's, and Comey's saying the opposite about Brennan. Comey's saying, no, Brennan told us to put it in there. Why does any of this matter? Because, ladies and gentlemen, by December of 2016, it's obvious the source, Christopher Steele, is hot garbage. He can't keep his own story right. He can't remember the Cohen-Prague details. He's telling the State Department Russians are his sources. His story is completely fallen apart. Cohen wasn't in Prague. The FBI in January interviews one of Steele's sources, finds out it's totally illegitimate. By December, they know it. But by December, they renewed the FISA three more times. Oh. Yes, on bad information. Now, to cover their tracks, what do they need, Joe? They need a special counsel investigation. Yep. The only way to get a special counsel investigation is to get the intelligence community to go back to the Steele information for the fifth time. The fifth time. To put that information in the ICA to make the American public believe that Trump won the election because of it. Don't believe me? Here's Obama flipping the script on himself. Here's Obama before the election talking about how there's nothing to worry about in the election, about the election being hacked. Everything is safe and dandy. Here we go. It happens to be based on no facts. Every expert, regardless of political party, regardless of ideology, conservative or liberal, who has ever examined these issues in a serious way, will tell you that instances of significant voter fraud are not to be found, that, keep in mind, elections are run by state and local officials, which means that uh, there are Places like Florida, for example, where you've got a Republican governor whose Republican appointees are going to be running uh, and monitoring a whole bunch of these election sites. The notion that somehow if Mr. Trump loses Florida, it's because of those people that you have to watch out for. That is both irresponsible and, by the way, doesn't really show the kind of 
leadership and toughness that you'd want out of a president. Okay. Right. There's Obama. Here's the here's the problem they have. Obama's on the record before the election in the Rose Garden saying nobody's going to hack our elections. We, we have another cut from this, right, Joe? The no serious yeah. person one? Mm-hmm. Pa- yeah. Play cut two. Listen to this one. There is no serious person out there who would suggest somehow that you could even you could even rig America's elections in part because they're so decentralized and the numbers of votes involved there's no evidence that that has happened in the past or that there are instances in which that will happen this time okay See where I'm going with this. Why do they go back to the Christopher Steele information for the fifth time to produce an intelligence community assessment that says the Russians hacked the election? Because Obama's on the record saying you can't hack the election. So Obama, after he's like, holy crap, how did we just lose that? Trump? Now we got to hide all of our stuff. We spied on Trump. We didn't expect this guy to win. Now what do we do? Well, we're going to need the intelligence community to say the Russians hacked the election. We're helping Trump so we can investigate Trump to get him out of office to hide our stuff. We can. Obama said you can't hack an election. So the ICA produces this thing, the intelligence community, this thing based on the crap dossier for the fifth time, which Comey and Brennan apparently disagree about. And then Obama changes his mind after this and says this. Uh, In this new cyber age, uh, We're going to have to make sure that we continually work to find the right balance of accountability and openness and transparency that is the hallmark of our democracy, but also recognize that there are uh, adversaries and um, bad actors out there uh, who want to use that same openness in ways that hurt us, Uh, whether that's in trying to uh, commit financial crimes or trying to commit uh, acts of terrorism or uh, folks who want to uh, interfere with our elections. Oh, no. (laughs) What? I thought you couldn't interfere with our elections. Now cyber criminals are interfering with our elections? There's Obama planting the seed. He's about to do the flip the script thing. Hey, what I said about people not being an impact our elections, that's not true because, hey, the intelligence community said it. Well, what did the intelligence community base that on? Oh, the dossier. You mean the same dossier used to spy on Trump for times? Yeah, that one. You mean the discredited one? Yeah, that one. You mean the one that came from Russians? Yeah, that one. You mean the same Russians you're criticizing? Yes, that one. Beautiful. Well done, Trey Gowdy. Nice job. Hey, thanks again for tuning in, folks. I hope you like the show today. Please subscribe to our show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Bongino. It's important. We really appreciate it. It's all free. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts to iHeartRadio and SoundCloud. The subscriptions are free and help us move up the charts. We really appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.